Hello, welcome to another Social Dad podcast. Today, I'm joined by Alison McGregor, an author. Hello, Alison. Hello, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. Um, thank you so much for joining. It's been a while since I recorded. I think it's February I, I last did one. That's funny how time works like that. It's on warp speed, especially during a pandemic. So I can relate. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like oh, a couple of weeks. I should I should have done one, but uh, nope. It's it's been months, and I'm uh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so thank you for joining. Um, you're an author. Um, can you tell us about your your books and your your main character um, and why they do that? What they do? Sure, sure. So um, the book series that I'm writing is called Growing Up Antoinette. I just released my second book in the series entitled Antoinette and the Story of the Invisible Giraffes. Um, The main character is Antoinette, who is incredibly curious to a fault, some would say. And she just so happens to be my own mom in real life. So she had the most incredible upbringing living in all of these obscure, off-the-map places um, and just had the best stories to go along with those experiences. And growing up, hearing about how she saw invisible giraffes and um, got into trouble with a school of jellyfish accidentally met Prince Philip and, uh, you know, terrible run-ins with the nuns at the boarding school that she went to in Scotland. Um, just incredible. And so they these make are real these stories? All real stories, yep, yep. So I oh, guess wow. story might be the wrong word, but uh, they were definitely told to me at uh, bedtime and definitely made me green with envy that um, – I wasn't also living in Tanzania or Jamaica and I was living in Burlington, Ontario, which just seemed so dull in comparison to these stories she was telling me. I love it. Um, It kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen Big Fish, where the dad tells these tall stories and and like he says, well, who who wants to hear a boring story? (laughs) <laughs> exactly exactly and she's just so good at telling them too like bedtime was the best time to look forward to in the day because you know you'd get to cuddle up beside her my brother would be in bed as well and just get to hear her put on the different voices do the different actions and just have these really unique tales come out and yeah, it was the best. Such such great memories. That's so special. I try to um, mix up bedtime with. Uh, I mean, we we read books, but I love to tell uh, embellished stories um, with sort of tales of gnomes who eat sandwiches and uh, the time I met Santa Claus and and you know finding the cow in the middle of the road. who told me a lie and I had to find out and it's um it's it's I don't know if my daughter thinks I'm just a a serial liar or (laughs) or just trying to make things a bit more interesting but I think I think that sort of 
oh my phone's talking to me um or my um sort of love of of telling stories that just sort of brush the line between fantasy and, and reality um I, I want her to think about that kind of thing yeah i i totally agree with you it it's you know a, a mind exercise for them almost right to walk that fine line between reality and fantasy and get their creative juices flowing as well i think that those are the building blocks to being able to think critically as well. So, I mean, it seems like a pretty simple, fun bedtime routine, but I think, you know, it, it builds strong minds. So. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I I think now more than ever, people need the skill um, of being able to, to say sort of, hold on a minute. I don't know if this is actually true or if these people are just, you know, spinning the yarn a bit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and asking uh you know the why questions instead of laying out the story matter of factly I always try and encourage them to think well why would this character do that and how are they feeling sort of thing and really engage them that way yeah um I think yeah I, I love it um although my daughter does take things a bit literally so she doesn't trust hamsters because I told them they'll tell secrets. And, um, <laughs> well, it, it is a fact. You cannot trust hamsters. They are sneaky and they're they too are. quick for their legs. It's weird. Um, <laughs> and also uh, she tells people at school that I'm best friends with um, Santa Claus, which is true. Um, and I've um, met the tooth fairy. Uh, so there. Um, so you're, you're, your character is mischievous. Absolutely. Um, which I, I think is a sort of a good thing and is, is good natured. But how do how do you sort of encourage mischief in a structured way? And how, how do you like what's the difference between mischievous and naughty? <laughs> oh yeah. Again, we're walking another fine line <laughs> with that. Um, and I would say mm, in the case of my mum specifically, she doesn't do the best <laughs> job of walking that line. Um, but that's a great question. I think it is uh, in for the person who is the one walking the line, I don't think that that exists for them it's the person or the people the mom or the dad watching over them that defines whether or not that's naughty Mm. because uh, I mean in my experience with my daughter definitely takes after my mother in terms of mischievous and naughtiness Um, it's the naughtiness comes from it uh getting in the way of my day, right? Like go explore the bugs and bring them inside. I'm sure that seems like a good idea. And of course you're curious to see this mouse that you brought into the house and want to name it (laughs) and stuff like that. And to me, that's naughty, but to her, it's this cool creature that she found that she wants to show off to mom. So yeah, uh, I think it's just the parents that call it naughty. The spirit of it. So, like, if it's mean spirited, it's a bit naughty. Like, if you're doing something just to annoy someone, then naughty. But I think if it's 
genuine sort of exploration or you think it's a good idea, then I think it's just being a bit mischievous, sort of, yeah, skirting the lines of what is considered uh, appropriate. But I think it's a good thing. And I think it's, it's something that I see in a lot of sort of family dynamics where one parent, uh, and I'm going to be careful because I don't want to get myself in trouble. (laughs) um, But one parent is a bit more, you should do this because like, this is the outfit I set out for you. And this is how I want you to, you know, dress and don't get your hands dirty. And then the other parent, me, um, is, (laughs) so it's like, if you want to wear underpants on your head, you can. Like people might have a, have questions about it, but you you know, if that's what you want to do, fine. Or like, oh, you found a bunch of worms. Let's build a house for them. That'll be funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think I think that's the sort of freedom that I was given when I was growing up. Like I lived in the English countryside, and uh, I was allowed to be in the garden as long as I want or go for a bike ride. And if I wanted to go swimming in the river, um, that if my parents were around or, or, or if my you know mum would have seen, they would have said, there's probably a bunch of cow pee in there. Um, but my dad would be, get your shorts on, jump in the river, go and get wet, go have a swim and then come on. And it's sort of, oh, we'll be fine, which I think is... Uh, a very sort of controversial parenting tactic. Like, ah, what's the worst that can happen? Um, yeah, with- yeah, I, I agree with you. And it's, uh, I, I'd say I have a pretty similar parenting style. And it's funny how much of a, a wow factor that is for some people. But I do think it's important to allow them to explore and then they establish their own boundaries and what's yeah. considered safe. I mean, obviously I'm watching them and my kids have, ended up doing very silly, dangerous things where I had mm. to intervene. So it's not as though they're left completely to their own devices. But Yeah, um, I think it yeah. I think we have to sort of step in when it's it's a, an obvious danger to us, but then we're thinking, Oh, I'm gonna see how high I can climb and we're thinking, if you fall out of that, you're gonna break your legs. So we sort of have to, you know, steer them in the right direction, but still give them a, a pretty wide berth and say, you know, if you want, if you, yeah, go for it. Have a play and get muddy and stuff. We'll just wash after. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Clothes are just clothes, and I have a whack of laundry detergent at home to help solve yeah. that problem. So that's low on my list of things to worry about. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like to be honest, as parents, we could do it uh, with a lot less things to worry about. So if they want to lick a worm or something, okay. Like, <laughs> we'll deal with that at the doctor's office <laughs> again. Yeah. Hey, why has she got a parasite? Oh, she licked a worm. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly where that came from, doctor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I watched her do it, and then I licked one, so actually, can ask some of that medicine. <laughs> I wanted to see what it tastes like. Um, yeah. I. So why, why do you, do you want to write these books, and who, who are they for? Right. Well, to go with the why um, I started this project, uh, I've always been a writer, always gravitated towards creating my own stories as an escape, as a form of self-expression. And I've always wanted to do this with 
my mom's stories. And once the pandemic hit in 2020, um, I had my daughter who had just turned one. I was six months pregnant with my second child and stuck at home with nowhere to go and feeling very overwhelmed by that. And I thought, well, how do I break down this feeling of being completely overwhelmed and thought starting this project would be a great way to calm the nerves, but also as a great way to continue to connect in some way, shape or form with my family who I couldn't see for months and months and months. Um, so it was born of that. And uh, for who it's for, I originally wrote it for with the intention of just sharing it with my kids and having something physical that they could bring around and hold their granny near and dear that way. And then it, it kind of snowballed into this much bigger project. And I'm really happy it did. It's been so fun to work on. Um, and the first book that came out is called Antoinette and the Story of the Jellyfish Monsters. Um, and uh, I was shortlisted for uh, Best Nonfiction for the uh, Dragonfly Book Awards. So oh, wow. that was really fun to be recognized for that too. So just an added bonus to have this kind of project of love evolve in such a way. It's been such a treat and, you know, a great silver lining to have considering everything that's happened over this pandemic. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, just grateful. I love it. Um, okay, Alison, I'm going to give you a few questions now. Just It's sort of something I like doing just to sort of get in the minds of, of who I'm talking to and, and sort of what makes you tick. So um, these books are an amazing way to remember your mum and keep her um, legacy alive. What is something you'd like to be remembered for? Oh, gosh, that, <laughs> that is a deep question. Um, I would think it would be someone who really appreciates a good laugh, loves telling a good story, and loves making people feel special in the stories that I would tell about them. Hmm. What made you smile today? Oh, um, probably. Uh, I finally got both of the kids into their bathing suits, which is an incredible feat in its own. Um, and they played in the sprinkler for hours, screaming and giggling and getting along so well with each other. One wow. would trip, then the other would help the other one up. and they hug because somebody got a boo-boo and I could just mm. watch and smile in the corner and not have to yell and scream and say, stop hitting your brother or sister. Don't try and throw them in the pool. No rocks in the pool. And you know how it just ends up yeah. being a whole bunch of no's really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just nice to have a bit of peace and just watch them be happy. It's, it is such a joy when you get to, get to see your children just be in the element that way it really is and not having to to give them a bunch of no's I think is so 
uh, vital for for them to be able to explore and, and sort of feel that sense of freedom. Like it's all very well if they're playing, but within your structure. But when mm-hmm. you say, "There's the sprinkler," go have a run around, and then you just let them just do whatever they want to do. Exactly. And then it's yeah. so great, and they'll just they'll keep doing that for so long because it's like they've been craving it, even if they didn't know they were craving it. They just, they can't get enough of it. And it's so nice to see. Yeah. And it's been a, it felt like a really long winter over here in Ontario. So a burst of nice weather. I'm definitely going to take advantage of that with them. And yeah, I think and, they're and both dead to the world right now napping, which is you know, even better for me. <laughs> that's great. Um, what quality do you value in other people? Uh I really like a sense of humor um, and being able to laugh at yourself. I think that's incredibly important when I, it, it's it's really hard to, to give examples stepping away from the pandemic, but it's just mm-hmm. so fresh and top of mind. But, you know, you're in the middle of this awful time for some there doesn't feel like there's a way out and if I just really appreciated the people in my life who were able to still laugh at things and make me laugh at things in that situation and make light of things that you were able to of course there's still lots of serious things happening within all that but at least it gives you a bit more perspective and clarity and able allows you to better prioritize um you know what is truly serious and what you know you'll forget about in a couple of months yeah i think having the strength to be the butt of a joke uh and laughing about it i think is is really important and it makes you like really nice to be around like mm-hmm. no one has to sort of, oh i don't know if i'm gonna offend him or not or, no because he doesn't care like he's he's laughing as well he made the joke um, yeah, think, that's a big self-confidence so nice. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I'll wear, I don't know, my daughter's rabbit ears to the park or something just because she asked me to and it's funny. Like, who cares? Like, no one else like thinks anything worse for you, so whatever. Um, have you read a book that really changed your viewpoint or inspired you? Well, it's... Uh... <laughs> It's been a long time, but I'll always remember reading To Kill a Mockingbird in high school. Mm-hmm. And you're towards the end of the book. And then the last line of one of the chapters is, oh, hi, Boo, or, or something along those lines. And, you know, Boo Radley turns out was this great benevolent figure in the book secretly. Sorry if I'm spoiling that for anybody, <laughs> but uh, I, it gave me goosebumps reading that, and I started crying because I thought, but it, it's just it, it's so redemptive, and I loved that. I loved that moment, and I have no idea why. Of all of the books that I've read, I've definitely read a few since then, but that moment just sticks out to me so profoundly. Hmm. I've never read it actually. Um, oh, in no, school, we, I hope I didn't ruin no, it. No, no, it's, it's all good. I, I don't know any of the characters, so it's fine. But like in school, we did um, Shakespeare and Charles Dickens and the Bronte sisters and all those ones, but we never did sort of the, 
a great sort of American author. So it's that'll be interesting to read. I'll I'll put it on my list next. Yeah, check it out. It used to be banned too, I think. So even more exciting. That's daft, isn't it? When they ban books. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I it's so strange. Like an, an awful book just because it's like mean or if it's poorly written. Like I, I read um uh Fifty Shades of Grey just because like everyone else did. Right. And it was like the big thing and you know and I read it and I was like, This is crap. Like this is so <laughs> poorly written. Like I don't care that they're all, you know, doing it and stuff. It's like you do whatever you want to do, but like it was such a poorly written book. I didn't get why it was so amazing. Some people yeah. I hear you, I hear you. Mm, whatever. Um yeah, I guess, you know, as long as you're reading. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, what is your favorite word? Um, <laughs> right now, I really like saying splendid because it's fun <laughs> to really uh, overpronunciate all of the letters. And then getting my kids to try and say it is just the best. It just, I end up in fits of laughter. So, yeah, that's definitely my favorite word of the day. <laughs> I, I was laughing the other day because my kid was saying mini muffin. And <laughs> for, for anyone else, like, yeah, that's dumb. But for like, it was, so cute. it was like, can you put some more chocolate mini muffins in my day? <laughs> like, yes, he keeps saying that. Um, what turns you on creatively, spiritually or emotionally? Ooh, um, I, at least, you know, through the Growing Up Antoinette series, I love a good historical character or moment and getting my super nerd on and researching to death about it and, you know, discovering different uh, perspectives of a, a person or a historical character and then being able to look at that presently and see okay everybody thought um for instance my new flavor of the day is uh elizabeth bathory i don't know if you've ever heard of her no but she is the original inspiration for uh, the dracula series and vampires in oh. general and everybody thought, you know, she was a crazy lady, really mean, vindictive, would torture people. And then when you really take a closer look at her, she was brilliant for the time that she lived in, spoke several different languages, uh, was actually learned, knew how to read and write, bookkeep and everything, which was strange for a woman of her time and uh, then you look into the you know the political landscape of it and it turns out that someone was just trying to take over her power and wealth and created this whole other bloody narrative to basically rewrite history for her and you know it's 400 years later and only now people are starting to look into it and I just think wow. those kinds of things are fascinating because 400 years for somebody to give you a break is insane. Yeah, that is 
that's really interesting. I was just reading about um, who was it? It's like Cleopatra or someone, and and uh, there was some scandalous stuff said about her. And apparently, that was a, an incredibly common thing is for like authors to besmirch the name of of someone or just people to sort of start random rumors that got incredibly famous. And if they're old, then you know that kind of stuff sticks because that's all you you hear. Um, it's interesting. Um, wow, I never heard of, what was her name? Elizabeth, what? Yeah, Elizabeth, uh, Bathory. I think I'm totally ruining the pronunciation, but I think it's B-A-T-H-O-R-Y if you're going to anglicize it. Yeah, yeah, I'll have a look. Yeah, I mean, she just sounds like a really smart person who happens to be a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We can't completely rule out the vampire theory, (laughs) I guess. two sides to us, you know. You've got to have a hobby. Um, (laughs) Okay, and then, so let's wrap it up with uh, what is one piece of advice that you would tell your younger self? (sighs) Don't be embarrassed or sell yourself short by being too scared to fail in doing the things that you want. I wish I started this project earlier, but I felt, you know, I'm not I'm not the most well-spoken person in the world and, you know, scared of the imposter syndrome sneaking in but now after you know it's all said and done just just go for it if people like your book then people like your book and then you get to continue doing something you like but if you don't start then how are you going to know and don't waste your time on what ifs just do (laughs) yeah I think that's that's a a great lesson from from your mum as well like just start doing stuff and and have like way less structure to to what you're doing and you know just do stuff if it feels good and then see where it goes yeah just start i mean if you want to build a wall you have to start one brick at a time it's overwhelming to think i need to build this massive wall but if you do it brick by brick there you go it's gonna happen eventually yeah i love that um allison thank you um where can people find you and your books yeah we are on um we me and the books uh we're on um amazon uh the second book will be available um at the indigo website uh, barnes and noble as well uh the Friesen press bookstore who's the publisher um, and then you can also message me at my website, which is www.growingupantoinette.com. Amazing. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. <laughs>